0: Hey, it's Doug here. I wanted to pop in before sending it to the full episode. This episode is a rebroadcast. It turns out that Carl and I have had a hard time connecting and recording new shows here in the, the fall and early winter of 2023. Carl's been traveling a lot. He's been going all over the place, and I'm sure we'll do a full episode to hear about the adventures that he's been going on. I chose this episode because it's a really good one. I think it was one of the first or second episodes that we recorded, but the topic area is really important. So important that we have actually rebroadcast this episode before, but it's been over a year and a half since we rebroadcasted. I am making too many excuses, so I'm just gonna move on. It's all about whether or not FI and retiring early will actually make you happy. And for the past couple years, as we've been doing the podcast, it has been a common theme. Carl has been doing uh, talks and he's been blogging on this topic area for a few years since before we even recorded the episode. But the more and more people that we talk to, the more obvious it is that just because you retire early, just because you retire from a job, doesn't mean you're automatically going to be happy. So we get into some of the details and talk about why it may not be the case. You think it's gonna solve all your problems, but it doesn't necessarily do that. So that's a little bit of a spoiler. I should have told you that before, but I think you probably knew that anyway. We will have some new fantastic episodes coming up. We have some great guests. We have uh, people that you have heard of, people that you haven't heard of, all lined up for the new year. So thanks a lot. And I'll send it to the episode now. This is the Mile High Five podcast with Carl Jensen and Doug Huntington. We have authentic conversations about the journey to FI, health, happiness, and some very odd tangents. We interview FI experts, side hustlers, people on their way to FI, and those who have reached the other side. Join us every week. And if you want the show notes and links and all that other stuff, Head over to milehighfi.com.
1: Hello, world. Welcome to the Mile High Fi Podcast. My name is Carl, and I'm with my podcast partner. Doug Cunnington. I'm thinking about today's episode where we're going to talk about happiness. And on my way over here, on the way over to our studio, my thought was, God, we keep on going down these these really deep podcasts. We should have one. That's just a bunch of like fart jokes or something like nonstop for an hour. We'd probably lose any of the three (laughs) listeners that we have right now, but I don't know. This is another heavy topic, but hopefully we'll make it
0: fun. And this was your idea. And I think you have a, a great hook and a good way to get us rolling in this.
1: Cool. I'll tell you my story. So I discovered fire back in 2012 and I was unhappy with parts of my life, especially my work. It was stressful so the first thing I thought when I found Mr. Money Mustache and J.D. Roth is, oh, man, I, I got to pursue this. I really want to do this so I can leave my job and my life is going to be so much better. So from like 2013 to 2017, the time I left, I just busted my ass off. We we sold our big house, bought this cheap house, and then I fixed it up. I, I was probably working between my job and between this home remodel at least $100 a week. And I had kids, too. I have kids. So what I would do is I'd wake up like at 4.30 or 5 and try to do this work on the house because I wanted to get it done so I could spend time with the kids. So I'd be waking up at 5 and doing whatever I could quietly so I didn't piss the neighbors off and have the cops come. Luckily, that never happened. Work for a couple hours and then spend time with the kids. And then after they would go to bed, I'd continue this and I'd do this like seven days a week. And if I ever had any time, I remember there was a weekend Mindy went away to visit her parents and took the kids with and I just worked my ass off. I think I probably worked like 18 hours a day the whole time, like just putting in these stupid stares. So then I get the fire and I quit my job and uh, this whole time I'm thinking as soon as I quit, my life is going to be so much better. I'm going to be happy and like unicorns are going to jump out of the clouds and it's going to rain beer and life is just going to be wonderful. And then... What happened was my life was better. I, I don't want to sound too much of like an asshole complaining pants, but I wasn't really that much happier. I was kind of felt the same as I did before when I was doing all this other stuff. So that led me on this big journey to discover like what is happiness? Where does this come, come from? and Because I'd never really considered it before then. I would assumed this external circumstance was going to make me happy. And then it did and I was at the same place. So
0: that's my story. I just want to know: Did you get over that? Are you a little happier now?
1: <laughs> I did. <get laughs> I did get over that. I'm in a, a better place now. But it's, I think, as we'll talk about, it's a constant. Uh, happiness isn't a destination; it's, uh, it's a journey, and we have to structure our lives in the right way to achieve it. And there's a lot of nuances to it. It's a lot more complicated than you could ever. Than at least I thought.
0: Did you? or have you in the past thought about happiness or was it even on your radar? You were just thinking, I I don't like work. I want to get out of that. And then you worked even harder. You added more work to your plate and your family, man, you had other stuff to do. So you were just constantly running around. So had you thought about happiness in the past in any capacity, maybe with another name too?
1: Yeah. So Doug, I'm not that bright. So it was the latter. I I never really considered it. The only thing I thought was... That this fire thing, once I found it, would give me happiness because I would be free of this other external circumstance, my job, that was stressing me out. So, no, I never really read any of those self-help books. And since then, I've read a a shitload of them. And they all pretty much say the same thing, which we'll get into. But no, I I hadn't considered it. How how about you?
0: No, I I don't think I did. In a similar way, I kind of remember my you know, my, my working days and really disliking certain pieces. But then if I rewind even farther and think about college and like an internship that I had, I remember looking at uh, the manager of the team. He had maybe like 20, 30 people working under him. It was about 30 or so pretty successful drove a BMW convertible or, you know, whatever nonsense, um, a twenty-nine-year-old manager will uh, drive around, which I, I mean, I think they're fine cars, just not m- my thing. So I thought, oh man, that dude has it figured out. Of course, as time goes on, and I ended up being a manager and having a team, I realized oh, that that doesn't make me happy either. It's actually a little more stressful than uh, being a, a college kid <laughs> and just having fun. So no. I didn't think about happiness either. And then I think I gradually moved into working for myself and a couple of those other little pieces came into play. So I credit things like the Tim Ferriss podcast, uh, some similar shows, people that he had as guest on talking about happiness and like what we're trying to do. And, you know, if you think a fancy sports car is going to make you happy, but you're not sure going back to a thing we mentioned before, you could rent a car, check it out, see if it makes you happy. Um, you could rent a house, you could test out all these things. So I started to slowly realize you can do these things gradually or sort of one at a time, uh, by renting a car, or renting the thing that you think is going to make you happy. So long story, no, but then I gradually started figuring out, Oh, I'm actually a little happier doing this versus that. How can I remove those areas that aren't making me happy?
1: Okay. I have one point to make, and then I have a follow-up question on, when, on what you said. Uh, I'm a person who actually had a fancy car. It was an Acura NSX, and I found the ownership and driving the car wasn't actually what made me happy. It was kind of cool to drive it, going around turns fast, but it surely wasn't worth paying $45,000 to risk getting thrown in jail for reckless driving. But what did make me happy about the car was there was this NSX club and they would have meetups and you'd go and barbecue so the most fun part was all our fancy cars were parked out on the street or whatever and we're all chatting so it it wasn't the actual object it was the community around it that made it fun and I think that's I don't want to delve too deep into this quite yet but I think that might be the case for a lot of these things maybe sports or a sports ticket is fun but is it really watching the game or is it the experience you get from hanging out with the other people But the follow-up question I had for you was, you mentioned some podcasts, you mentioned Tim Ferriss. Do you remember any specific interviews or any specific people and what knowledge you gained or what you learned from those?
0: It's a little recency bias. I listened to Naval Ravikant and we were just chatting before we started recording. A couple of his interviews were really enlightening I don't have any uh, specific points like right now. And I know there were other guests that sort of led me in that direction. I just remembered um, two others. One is uh, Rolf Potts and he wrote the book Vagabond. You, are you familiar with him?
1: I have heard the podcast. He kind of inspired Tim Ferriss to change his life. I think Tim Ferriss credits him as one of the biggest influences on him.
0: That's right. So I think he's on the show at least twice. And those were some of the earlier episodes because Tim and Rolf uh, knew each other and they realized that they had a lot of things in common. I think Tim had more of a like a, a business entrepreneurship route and Rolf was more like, hey, if you have what you need, um, you can travel around and see things and experience things and that makes you happy. You don't have to be in a rush. You don't have to have everything planned. You can kind of ease your way into it. And I thought, well, that sounds a little more, I guess, less ambitious to like be in the pursuit of happiness and try and check off boxes and like make a list and make finding happiness really not fun and more of a chore. So I I identified a lot with that. So Rolf Potts, if people haven't heard those couple episodes, really good.
1: Cool. Yeah, so I think we should get into it. Uh, Doug, the first thing on our outline is I wanted to talk about where happiness comes from, like the science behind this. Uh, like I said before, I didn't research any of this before I actually left my job. The first time I heard about this was from a speaker on a Chautauqua I went through, and this was back in 2017. And it kind of surprised me because she put up this slide. It was this. Uh, it was a pie chart, and it told where happiness came from. And it said 50% of it was genetic, so that's nothing you can control, it's just your genes telling you how happy you are, what your static love, of happiness on a daily basis is. 10% is life circumstances. And this one is really fascinating, because I would have thought, it, it, at least at first, I would have thought it would have been higher than this, because... Uh, fire fits right into this. Fire is a life circumstance. So, and now I realize that this is true, because fire didn't make me happy. The other thing I thought about with this was I I once had a coworker who was who had immigrated from China pretty recently, and it, he took me aside one day and he's like, Carl, I uh, I want to tell you something funny. He's like, you've seen my house? I've got this huge house. He had like a five thousand square foot house. I've got two fancy cars, BMWs, by coincidence. <laughs> And he's like, uh, back in China, we had a house that was like, it was probably 800 square feet, one-fifth to one-sixth of what I had now. I live there with my parents and grandparents in this tiny house. And, and do you know a car? I'm like, no. He's like, I was happier there. I'm like, holy shit. So your circumstances were worse, but you were happier. Now, with that said, there's a caveat to this. Your, your shelter, your food, your basic human needs have to be taken care of. But after that, it kind of all becomes the same.
0: Right. And I mean, I think people can probably come up with examples in their own life where they know people that maybe have horrible circumstances, really big challenges, maybe not brought up by themselves at all. And they're so happy all the time, just upbeat, great to be around. And then other people will complain about, you know, a free meal. They they just <laughs> won't be happy no matter what, and they'll complain while they're on vacation or something like that. So
1: yeah, absolutely. It, that that last point is a great segue into the last forty percent, which is your outlook and how you perceive what happens to you in life. So if someone cuts you off, are you the person who immediately raises your middle digit, or you say ah? Oh, Life is pretty good. I've got this nice car. Maybe that person is just having a bad day and I'm going to forgive him and go on and look at the blue sky and be happy for what I have. And I have to say, I'm I'm the former. This is a, a, a struggle <laughs> <Right>. for me. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, how are you, Doug? Are you?
0: Yeah, I, I swear a lot in traffic. And actually, just to be really specific, when I stopped commuting and when we moved to Montana, like my stress level went down a ton. In Bozeman, it's something like 45,000 people or so, fairly small town, there was not much traffic. So just removing that stress, I'm like, ah, oh, I'm, I'm almost never in a hurry, this is great. And it's very apparent, cause I traveled back to Georgia a few times, driving around the Atlanta area, and it's just terrible. Like e- even if you're not in a hurry, there's, uh, there's so much traffic. Yeah. Stresses me out. Not it's not a good thing for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, it does. I agree. I was just in Las Vegas, and there's a lot of very aggressive people there. So it's one of those situations where you're on the highway and you you need to get over. And as soon as there's any space, the person behind like speeds up, and it pisses you off. Like, what's everyone doing here? But then, the problem is me. If I just had a better outlook over this, or could forgive this, or get past this, I think I'd be a lot happier. But man, the struggle's real. Like. It's very hard to, uh, my solution was to avoid driving in rush hour at all times. But if I was perfectly adjusted, I'd be able to deal with these situations on a more positive manner.
0: And I think we could probably do a whole episode on traffic where we really let our true color shine. But one of the coping mechanisms that I ended up doing, which was fairly effective. So I have a sort of an old truck. It doesn't go very fast and I can't stop as fast quickly as a smaller vehicle. So I just started driving really slow all the time. So I'm, I'm the guy that people are mad at because he's going so slow. I mean, I don't do that in the left lane or anything. I drive safely, but you know, occasionally you're going the speed limit in the right-hand lane on a five lane highway in a big city. And someone jumps right on your, uh, your, uh, tailgate there going like 80 miles an hour. And I'm like, all right, that's that's on you. Now you have to deal with the idiot and that's me. So Yeah,
1: that's uh there's a lot of value to what you said. Uh just not in traffic, but just taking life slow in general and enjoying the journey and not being in a hurry to get to a certain place or and that can be a physical place or just a certain place in your life. Just be happy. I, I've noticed I was in a car with Pete and Mr. Money Mustache probably last summer. We were going somewhere to pick up some building supplies and he was like yeah i like to drive really slow kind of like what you just said because maybe it'll rub off on other people in my head i'm thinking yeah it's probably not going to rub off but <laughs> but but i like the attitude and i like your non-caring you look back and there's a line of cars back there he didn't give a shit which is i think the right way to look at it so and that
0: is um i think that's luxury not being in a hurry I remember when I was stressed out and trying to get to work and there's traffic and there's other stuff and I'm just always going. So like being able to just chill out, go at my own speed, drive slow if I want to, even at the expense of other people (laughs) behind me, they should have left earlier. That's all I'm saying. Like, why are they in such a hurry?
1: Yeah, that's a, there's a lot of wisdom in that, the luxury of being able to go slow. And that's one thing I've realized Actually, this morning I was thinking about it because I'm always late. I think I've been late for probably three <laughs> out of our four recordings. And when you're late for something, you look at the clock and it's like, oh, shit, I'm going to be late. Doug's going to be mad. I uh, We just started this podcast and I came in beyond time like half the time. So what I've tried to do with my life and what I, Doug, I swear, I tried to do that this morning is I'm going to be all done with everything by nine. I don't have to see Doug until 930. It only takes me like 10 minutes at the most to get here. So then I'm just going to have that. Buffer, and I can do whatever I want. But then I got on this stupid robocall and I was late again, <laughs> later than ever, too, like half an hour. And that gives me stress because I know you're giving, you have stress too. Well, I don't know if you have stress or not, but yeah, you've been very nice about it. But yeah, not trying to it give yourself breathing room in life is a huge luxury. And that might be one of the greatest things that FIRE gives you the ability to live life in the slow lane.
0: And I'll, I'll just say that i forgive you in advance for the other times that you're going to be late you don't ever have to feel like you're in a hurry on the way here
1: Uh, i I don't know where to go with that because uh (laughs) i feel bad and many always breaks my balls for being late too rightfully so because you're inconsiderate of other people when you're late so doug i'll i'll Plant my flag in the ground and say I will not be late more than sixty percent of the time from here on out, which would be an improvement over my track record so far. That's
0: that's pretty good. I'll take it. Okay. I'll take it. So, quick summary. So, it's fifty happiness is fifty percent genetic, ten percent life circumstances, forty percent your outlook. And there's there's a citation in the notes that you created here for Stanford professor Sonia. Um, we'll just say L. There's a lot of syllables. Um, in that name. Do you recall the study? Because I'm thinking 50% genetic seems like much higher than I would have guessed.
1: Yeah, that's, I had the same thought, but then I clicked and at first I thought, oh, is this some woo-woo crap? And then I clicked on her and she's a professor at Stanford. So I'm willing to trust her. I'm not sure if she wrote a specific study on it, but I did read some of her writings and she calls us out all the time at I think it's pretty much true. I've thought about this. I've thought about certain people in my life. And there was one guy I worked with. His name is Greg, great person, but he was always happy, always had a real cheerful demeanor. And I always contrasted him to myself because I'm kind of the opposite. So I could, I I think the 50% thing is definitely true. And if you happen to be like me, you're the curmudgeon or unhappy. It's going to take more work for you to be happy.
0: Well, we'll dive into a lot of stuff. So I'm, I won't go on a too, too big of a tangent here. So o- overall, 50% genetic, and then the other half is kind of up to you. Your circumstances, potentially, you have some control on that. And then 40% is your outlook, which obviously is a pretty significant amount. Yeah. Right. Very good. And you, you mentioned, um, Another article, which we we can provide this in the show notes so people can check it out and read it for themselves, but it was about what we actually need to be happy. And in this article, there are many different points, but the main things are have pleasure, have meaning in your life and challenges. So can you unpack that a little bit too?
1: Yeah, I think we'll unpack this uh, a lot as we continue to talk, but a high level overview. When she talked about pleasure, she talked about very short-term things like I'm having a drink with a friend or my child came home and told me she got a good grade in school. So those are kind of short-term fleeting moments. And then she talked about the, the meaning and purpose. And those are, we can't just sit on the couch and eat Cheetos if we fire and retire early or just uh, go to the beach all day. We have to have good things in life. Uh, to contrast with the happiness and I was thinking about this there's a uh, Peter Atia was talking about this on the Joe Rogan podcast how happiness is a juxtaposition, right? So if you think about life, the life is kind of like this in general. So say you go on a camping trip in Minnesota for a week in January, it's gonna suck you're gonna freeze your ass off and the first night you sleep back in your warm bed, that's gonna be like the best night ever in the bed because you just suffered through this crap. If you, if you had to eat, if you do a week-long fast, whatever you eat, that first thing you have, if you have a, uh, like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which in our daily life would probably be like whatever, but if you have that after night eating, it's going to be the best sandwich you've ever had in your life. So to continue on this with happiness, you can't and shouldn't be happy all the time. We'll talk about that more a little bit later. So how do we provide that? through suffering is a too strong of a word i heard pete say involuntary discomfort and that could take many forms maybe we we exercise running sucks i hate running does anyone some people might claim to enjoy it but i think they're but but i think they're lying about it so we need work and we need a contrast in our life to make us happier we shouldn't be happy all the time but we'll we'll talk about this a lot more later in the show
0: very good and I have uh, a couple thoughts especially around like I guess the the outlook portion and kind of going back and I realized that for me happiness was was kind of a decision and I, I look back for like darker periods of my life where I clearly like wasn't happy and you know now I think back I'm like oh, why, why was that I'm not really sure cuz i probably looked externally and tried to blame certain pieces but it was probably the decision i made that i was going to be more crumogeny complain about things look for things or people or circumstances to blame instead of just saying hey this is this is what we're dealing with like you can work with it and react in a positive way or a negative way. Then I chose a negative way for, I would say there, there have been different phases, but probably a few years at least, especially around college, maybe mid twenties range, uh, where I was kind of lost, sort of misplaced sure. a little bit, Did, maybe didn't have as strong of a community and was like making new friends and, and that sort of thing, but didn't really sync up well with them. So that's, Part of my thought, especially with the outlook portion, it really was up to me versus like, uh, again, trying to blame other people for situations that I was in or anything like that. So I have a couple questions for you, especially around, you know, you mentioned your story when you thought fire was going to make you happy once you got out of the job. So would you describe yourself as... Happy when you were a kid or a teenager, or you know, looking back and thinking about your life.
1: Yeah, and I'd like to hear your answers to these questions too. After I'm done, or after we've done each one, but no, I don't think I was. I wasn't really a, a happy kid, and part of that was due to circumstances. My dad struggled with substance abuse and depression, so our household wasn't happy. And I saw the the things that put my mother through at times. So, and I always, and a lot of this is genetic too, because I was always more of a, I was always more of a warrior. So yeah, I was not a happy kid. I don't think I was I think I'm happy and I've heard people grow happier as you get older, but I don't think what I was gonna say is I'm probably happier now than I've been at any other time in my life. And I don't think it's because of my advanced age. That's what I (laughs) tell myself at least. But yeah, and it's just because I've I've studied this and have figured some things out in my life. But no, I was not a happy kid. I'm looking at your questions here, I was not a happy teen. Uh, maybe somewhat happy in college, uh, but no,
0: yeah. Unhappy generally. Okay. Yeah. And I think I, I was probably, I would describe myself as more serious as a kid and and growing up. I don't think I was necessarily unhappy and there were probably times where I was like pretty silly. I think I'm, I'm fairly silly most of the time and teenage years weren't that great. Um, definitely not as handsome as I am now, even though I had way more hair, I didn't know what to do with it. So yeah, teenage years, I had acne. I was super nerdy. Couldn't talk to girls. Like it, it was rough. Oh yeah. It was rough. Struggle was real. And then I went to college and that was just actually more, more of the same and actually worse. <laughs> and, and it was really hard for me. So I struggled to go through college. I, I did fine, but again, very serious, wanted to do well. So, I like stressed myself out. Towards the tail end of college, once I realized getting a job would probably suck, I was like, oh, you know what? I am not going to finish quickly. I know uh, I had some friends that got out in like three years, much smarter than me. They got out in like three years or they start getting towards the end of uh, the school and they are close to the number of credits and they'll go during the summer just so they could finish faster. So, I did the opposite. I was taking like the minimum number of hours and stretched it out probably by at least a semester, maybe two. So, I stretched it out. So, that was fun. I had a good time because I was hanging out, having a good time with my friends and partying a little bit more and just enjoying. I think it was more of a traditional college experience once I like pumped the brakes and slowed down. Then, as I mentioned, after I got a job kind of lost in my sort of mid twenties, I was doing the consulting stuff, traveling, didn't really have my finances in order or anything like that. So I I don't think I was unhappy then, but I was a little misguided. I would say I didn't know what was going to make me happy. I thought maybe going out drinking at bars until 3 a.m., was gonna make me happy. Turns out it it doesn't.
1: It might've made you happy at the time, <laughs> but then the next day waking up for an eight o'clock class, but <laughs> yeah. over correction with unhappiness. It's,
0: yeah, it's borrowing from tomorrow and yeah. It's a lesson I still learn, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> okay, yep. So a couple other questions around here. How about specifically happy times and um, it, it could even be current if you want. But if you think back to your youth, that would be interesting, too. God, it, if there's a trend, you know,
1: Doug, I have to say this conversation is making me realize like how uh, how, how stupid and how silly I was and how <laughs> maladjusted I was. I, it, it, So I'll tell you a story about college. Uh, the most failed class in college was organic chemistry, 331. And I studied my ass off in college and organic chemistry 331 was the weeder class if you wanted to go to medical school you did well in that class if you did bad you were out and i studied my ass off and i got i got a's in that class i even i'm such a nerd and this the maladjustment right here i saved the tests and i have them at my house right now and i i've looked at, at them every once in a while so one of my happiest moments in college was. I went in to get my final grade and I knew what it was going to be. So I don't know why I even did that. I guess it was just like a nervous ego boost or something like that. So I go in and the teacher sees me and say, like, Hey, Carl, how's it going? I'm like, good. I'm just coming in to get my final grade. And he's like, okay, I'll give it to you. And he starts to open his book and then he closes it. He's like, oh no, I know you, you, you got an A like, good job. So wh- why the hell was that my happiest moment in college? That's ridiculous. Out that of all the other good moments I could pick out the first real girlfriend and all these other things, my score in organic chemistry made me happiest, which has no relevance. It did me no good in my actual life.
0: And I mean, still, I mean, you still have the test now, right?
1: I, I, I do. I'll show them to you on our next podcast. I'll hold them
0: up. To the- so, why do you think it still holds a place? And why did it make you happy then? And, and it, you're still, you know, positive about it? I mean, we don't know why, I, like the logic is interesting, but yeah, why is that a, a, a memory?
1: Yeah, I think it was just the achievement of it. And it was, again, enjoying life as a journey or the destination. I, I really liked studying and, studying and building up to that and achieving that A, uh, much in the same way other things have worked out for me in life. Hey, I'm going to do this flip, but I'm not really going to be happy until I've achieved it, or I'm going to go for fire and I'm not happy until I've achieved it. And that's what I've learned. You have to learn the journey. So I don't know how much enjoyment there can be from studying cyclohexane and benzene. Actually, those are the same thing. And organic chemicals. But I should have found ways to enjoy the journey instead of just looking forward to this payoff at the end. Because the thing is, once you get the payoff, it's over. And you'll have this... Moments of pleasure, which we talked about a moment ago, but then you need your next hit and you have to find something else to achieve to get that. So, Mm -hmm. again, wrong way. Do as as I say, don't do as I did.
0: And I think, I mean, that's the hack though. So, it can work, I think, if you are choosing long-term meaningful goals where you will enjoy the journey. So maybe organic chemistry isn't exactly the right thing, but I've trained for a couple half marathons myself and I actually do enjoy running a lot. However, I have an injury, which I should, I'm just kind of hanging up my shoes for the time being, but I really enjoy long term goals, where if you just keep showing up, you're probably going to do it, right? I'm not trying to win the half marathon. I'm just trying to finish it, maybe go a little faster than I did the last time. So I love those goals. And the thing is, I think you can always keep finding some other one. You can move to a different medium, maybe instead of running, maybe it's cycling or some other, like learning an instrument. We've been talking about that a little bit. So I think if, as long as you're willing to find a new challenge and get joy out of it, I think that's, that's cool.
1: Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. I'm, yeah. We talked about I'm working on the piano now and my goal is to play a Chopin piece like in uh seven months, but so now, but I'm really enjoying the journey too. I've taken these lessons on the iPad and every time it scores you and Hey, I've improved a little bit. So instead of just focusing on the end, focusing on the journey, cause you might never get, Get to the end, too. That's something to consider with all this. So you need to enjoy life in the moment and and be positive and do things in the moment. Don't uh, don't rush through it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. And let's see. I also wanted to ask. Well, I guess we kind of covered it there about you know, why that made you happy. And then if you could repeat it, and I think that's, I guess, just exactly what I just said. So if you just find other goals that are interesting to you and it could be in other realms, different frame, frameworks and stuff like that, you could learn a whole new thing. It's, I mean, it's exciting to learn new stuff because you're starting from, you know, potentially zero or very low uh, knowledge. And then as you learn, I mean, it's pretty fun to learn new things. And, and as you understand more, in our brains, it like melds with all the other things we know. And you maybe end up making some interesting connections that you wouldn't have had if you didn't know that new piece of information in that other topic area.
1: Yeah, that's great. You, I cannot add anything to that. Very well put.
0: All right. Then, wow, I, I wrote down more questions than I expected for you here. Okay. Things that you thought would make you happy it didn't and you don't say the car because we've used that example too much
1: <laughs> yeah and i used fire and that's a, another thing having an unlimited time i'm trying to think of uh something else i thought would make me happy
0: oh you know what does not y- you've you've mentioned a few so I- i'll yeah. i'll go here yeah i think when i was back in the corporate world and I was getting coached by, you know, people (laughs) that were trying to move up the totem pole, I fell into the trap of thinking, hey, when you get promoted, that's going to make you happy. And sure, you get some sense of accomplishment, but at the end of the day, it's just a big political game. So, as I was going through it, I was like, ah, this is nonsense. And then... I thought maybe it would make me happy because at least you get paid a little bit more, but it's such an incremental amount that it really didn't matter. So I just had like more responsibilities (laughs) in a different title. And I realized that, you know, that kind of recognition I I didn't really give a fuck about at all. So it, it became more of a joke because I got coached in a few capacities from not people within my company, but other people that knew how to play the political game so i just looked at what i needed to do to get promoted which was not do good on my job it was to work on getting promoted and then it's not fun anymore it's just kind of a dumb dumb thing so yeah getting promoted and the recognition at jobs it didn't make me happy
1: yeah and and that's a there's some value there's an interesting point in that Do you derive value from what you perceive your social standing to be you said you don't give a fuck and that's uh that's a very powerful thing and you're you're very well adjusted but so were you less happy after you got this fancy promotion and your new title or
0: i wasn't i wasn't less happy but it wasn't enough happiness to correlate with the the amount of work and effort that it did because okay. i could have put that effort into another area that i would enjoy more yeah so but, you know, at the end of the day, I got, whatever, like another ten or $15,000, something like that.
1: Yeah. Uh, the last book I read was Mark Matson, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And uh, this conversation reminds me of that. And it reminds me of one other experience I had. I remember when I was interviewing for my first job, I went to a company and it was uh, a computer job. So they're really trying to get people a lot of competition for us. And, and they're like, we want to tell us about this one thing we've done for you and we think this is going to be really important to you and you're going to like this. So we've reevaluated all titles and you're not going to come in as a junior programmer. You're going to come in and I wish I would have written it down because it was this some bullshit like assistant to the assistant to the assistant VP or some <laughs> crap like that. And I remember thinking in my head, like, I don't care. I just want money. <laughs> Keep your damn title <laughs> yourself. Like pay yeah. me more. <laughs> But I I can't say it with that said, I can't say him as well adjusted as you, Doug.
0: Yeah. And I guess another part of the question was, you know, do I derive much value from my social standing or what people think of me? And it's very low and it's diminished over time. And I think, I mean, like you said, it's really powerful because if you are Comparing yourself or trying to fit into someone else's mold, you're always going to lose. Like, there's always someone better, faster, more hair, cuter, <laughs> what, what, whatever the thing you're trying to do. Um, someone who's more punctual—they show up to meetings on time, stuff like that. You know, even easy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, but, hey, but the the point the point being, um, yeah, w- once I moved further away from like getting validation externally then it's much easier to just operate in general.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's an inner versus external scorecard. And that external scorecard will fuck you if you pay too much attention to it. I mean, there's a lot of unhappiness over over there.
0: It, I mean, it's a struggle because the work that I do now is – I do YouTube videos, right? So the subscriber count is right there and I see other people who are, you know, doing better, growing faster or whatever. And then I have to step back and realize, okay, what game am I playing? Am I playing their game? Am I doing my own game with my own rules that I've determined ahead of time versus, you know, going in and trying to, you know, make more money with a course launch. Sure. Um, so there's, there's a lot of, yeah, if you start comparing yourself to other people, which is, I mean, it's just sort of an innate thing that we all do, right? Like you cannot help, but compare yourself to other people, but I try to minimize it, I guess.
1: Yeah. One final point I want to make on that though, is people always say, you got to try to find your voice and blah, blah, blah. So I've noticed in the blogging around there's people who are at it just to make money, but I found if you're authentic, that has a lot more value. Even if you want to make money, if you're authentic, uh, people will see that and gravitate towards you. So in the end, it might be more of a struggle to start with, but just being your true self. There's a great blog post on this uh, from Tim Urban on Wait But Why. It's called Taming Your Inner Mammoth, or Taming the Mammoth, which is just fantastic. You should stop after this podcast. uh, Go read that blog post because it's really good. And the whole point of it is, you're going to be a better person. People are going to respect you more and you're going to just be happier if you're, if you be authentic and not try to act like someone else, not try to satisfy what you think other people think about you, not trying to make other people happy. And I've thought this with a blog, like for, for whatever reason, the one thing I did do right was with the blog. I didn't give a shit. I just wrote about whatever I wanted to. And, uh, And I think I became successful because of that. There's 7 billion people on the earth. A lot of those people have internet access. And no matter how stupid or silly you are on your blog, some of it's going to resonate. There are other people like you who
0: it will resonate with. Yeah. It's, It's amazing. It's amazing. All right. And were there any, I asked you several questions, and were there any specifically that you wanted me to hit in those two?
1: I'd like to know some of your memories. This might not even be one you directly put down here, but what are some times in your life that you remember being extremely happy or just in in a really great place in life?
0: I like traveling like a lot of people do. And in college in some of those like tougher years, I realized I needed to get out of the general environment that I was in. I was studying too hard and not enjoying myself. So I, went through a recent breakup and one of my friends said that she worked out West. She worked in a national park and got away for a summer, really enjoyed it. So I got a job not too far from here in the Rocky mountain national park in 2002. So I lived in Estes park. We drove up to the trail Ridge store. I worked in the little snack bar up there. I think I made like five fifty an hour and it was So much fucking fun. So we lived in an old like motel and there were, I don't know, 50 employees or so. Most of them were in the college age range, but there were a few retired people as well who, you know, went out there for the summer and they maybe traveled around and went to different national parks. So that was a blast because you get to meet a bunch of new people. We spent a lot of time outdoors you know, in the sun, getting some vitamin D in, we worked in a beautiful place, a place where people go on vacation. They travel across the world to get there. So that was amazing. And I realized Colorado is great. So for about, I would say 15 years after that, I have been to Colorado every single year. So I actually worked there two summers. So that, that was fantastic. Roughly around the same time frame. And of course, we, we live like 45 minutes away from there now. And I never thought that I, I would live that close. And I mean, l- literally, we could be there less than an hour, which is amazing. There's not even that much traffic. The other place, uh, similar, I like national parks and outdoors. So I went to Yellowstone National Park in roughly 2000 and really enjoyed it. Beautiful open space, animals geothermal features just really amazing and we moved from Bozeman Montana which is just an hour and a half away from Yellowstone National Park so without trying because I could have said hey it's really important I want to move to these places I didn't I didn't do that but just somehow life circumstances like lined up so it made sense to do those things so those were happy times and obviously I I'm chasing, I'm chasing the feeling, you know, cause I've moved to the places and experienced it even more and deeper. And I've been super happy since I've made those sort of big decisions, like, Hey, we're going to move to Bozeman. My, my wife and I made the decisions or yeah, let's move to Longmont because it's close to an awesome place. You could walk outside and see mountains yeah. right there. So
1: before we go on to our next section, I've got one follow-up question for you. I think you might have just made a very important point and something I've thought about maybe round, in a roundabout way. But you said when you were working in the snack shop with the people and living in this old hotel, you said you had an awesome time. And contrast that, I'm thinking about my experience in corporate America where I had a boss who, who was a good person get kind of misguided. She told me I had to buy a certain car if I ever wanted to get married. It was a rat race. Everyone was trying to get promoted. I remember like brown-noser people, like you alluded to earlier weren't necessarily doing a good job, but doing the job they needed to be to get promoted to achieve the social standing or to get their director position. That was a a thing, a big deal. So in that situation, there were no external pressures when you were working at the snack shop. You didn't have any of this bullshit. Everyone was just there to have fun and do their job. And I don't know what the hell you did at night. You probably drank beer or something less of it because you were at altitude, so you didn't have to have as much. But I guess fire is kind of the same way, as that, because a lot of the external bullshit is removed from us. We could, like, I spend more time hanging out with people now than I ever did with a job. And uh, I don't know, the pressure's off. Like, hey, what do you want to do today? Let's go work out in the backyard or let's have a yeah. drink or something. It sounds like fire life is kind of more similar to your life working at the snack shop at the Alpine Ridge Visitor Center. I, do you think there's anything to that or what, what do you think? Of?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think... There was a reason too that people that had retired, they worked their careers or there was actually one guy who did retire early and he was probably in his early fifties or so, maybe late forties. He looked a little rough. He wasn't a big hiker, so he he lived hard. He looked uh, looked pretty beat up. But anyway, the point is people chose to work there after they retired because it was a fun thing. Just enough responsibility, you know, you have to get up and like, you know, do something, work in the snack bar. But it was pretty fun work because you're around people that are, um, they want to be there too. Because I I think sometimes in a job, you may be around really just toxic people that don't even want to be there. And they bring the whole group down potentially. So yeah, I think there's something to it. And we had a huge piece of like being outdoors and that may not be a priority for some people, but I I knew that it was for me and, you know, being in this area makes it really easy. So I think I I went off track from part of the question, but, um, yeah, I think some responsibility, but not too much is, uh, a a pretty good spot to be in.
1: Okay. Did you get free hot dogs every day for working at the snack bar?
0: Yeah, we did. And I mean, they, the food was, um, you know, horrific really when, when you think about it, we had uh, nicknames for some of the food and some of the people that may have like worked up there, y- you remember there was a chili cheese, um, potato, we called it a chi-chi pot. And, uh, that, that's like the one that I remember the most, but a chi-chi pot. So you're yelling the orders to the back group and You know, you get to work the steam table. There's uh, maybe a busload of people if you're at the the register. And as a, you know, accomplished individual, I, you know, worked my way up to the supervisor role, which was great. So I I gave people their breaks and stuff.
1: (laughs) Okay. With that said, I think it's time to move on to our next section. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about living a fi. Hey, have you heard about, had you heard about this blog before I mentioned it?
0: No. I haven't. and I read I read this whole post, too,
1: yeah. It was like a ten thousand word post, But before we get into that, I'll give you a little bit of background on this guy. I, I've always thought he he's completely anonymous, this uh, dude living in Boston. And I've always thought he's probably the purest blogger because he talks about fire and has no ads or any of that bullshit. He's like, i'm I'm here to write about this. I'm not going to monetize any of this. So, very pure, like not a lot of other bloggers are like that. So I've always appreciated him and respected him for that. And the other thing is he's always been very open about his journey. He's always come across as a thoughtful, introspective person. So I thought his, I I thought his, there's a lot of stuff to learn if you read his posts. And This recent one was probably the best one and maybe the most uh, serious one. What did you think about it, Doug?
0: Yeah, you know what? I didn't, I didn't realize it until we were sitting here. So I read it in the morning preparing for the show today. So I read it yesterday and I think it sort of bummed me out for a few hours because I was sort of processing some of the struggles that he was going through and is going through. seems like he's in a good spot now, but yeah, it was very serious and really, you know, makes you look at, you know, what you're doing I also felt the urge to want to give advice to his past, um, like person, right. And just say, Hey, maybe you could have done this, but I mean, that's not the point of what we're trying to do. So I had to step back and think, Hey, like he's not asking for advice. He's just explaining his story and just like, Hey, you may want to watch out for some of these uh, pitfalls that you may not know are there yep. so yeah uh, amazing read and we'll, we'll put links and everything so people can check it out as well
1: yeah so the point of this post was he hasn't posted in years and I think he left to work in 2016 and no one's heard anything from him for a long time and then he had this epic follow-up post and a lot of it was I, I think in the end it was positive but he went through a bunch of shit and I'd like to, to talk about some of those points and see what you think about them and also see what we can learn from from some of this so the the first thing he mentioned or one of the first things he mentioned was he kind of lost his community a, a lot of the friends especially the ones who still had jobs he lost touch with and or he they just didn't get along anymore there was one friend where he talked about this guy he got a bonus and all he would talk about was his bonus and what he, this friend was going to do with the bonus and living a fight. I don't know how we should refer to him. LAF let's call him LAF. So LAF was like, I tried to steer the conversation away from it. And maybe that was kind of a a shitty thing to do, but all he wanted to do was talk about this bonus and what he was going to do with this money. And just on a, that was only one person, but on a more general level, he talks about losing touch with these people who
0: he valued as friends. I think it's a key, a key piece. And one of the, you know, lucky, um, pieces that we have here because you know like you said you mentioned uh or did you mention community in that piece already yeah he, uh, and,
1: yeah he lost his community
0: and you know the fact that we are in longmont we have quite a few people who like kind of understand what we've done what we're doing and like our values so it's a, a huge huge advantage in fact there was a happy hour at the mr money mustache hq over the weekend and i went to and you know there's random new people that i never met before but we have like a good connection because we all understand sort of the things that we're into and i think if you if you don't have that and it sounds like that clearly wasn't the group that he and his uh, wife at the time were hanging out with um there's going to be a big struggle now I also think and have seen it in my life quite a bit where, you know, you go through certain phases and your friends change, like it just shifts. So we don't have kids. And when our our friends started having kids, well, they have different activities and different priorities and a different set of friends. That's okay. Um, The other thing I sort of noticed, I, I think he mentioned that Maybe they were, there were some friends or some bit of the community that had known each other for like 15 or 20 years. And I, I never kept in touch with that many people. So I have maybe like two, three, four people that I've known for 15 or 20 years, but I don't have like childhood friends. And I know people who have, they went to elementary, middle, and high school together, and then they stayed in touch and their families know each other. I don't have anything like that. So I could see like if you were used to that and then you all of a sudden sort of disconnected from this community that you were a part of for most of your life, that'd be crazy. But I guess I'm more of a, a loner <laughs> just overall. So
1: sure. I want to make one more point. You mentioned the value of living in Longmont. And there is a ton of value because Mr. Money Mustache is here and we've got the hq and like-minded people but even if you aren't in longmont you should move here if you're a if you're a nice <laughs> person you should move here but if you don't want to move here the great thing is through the internet you could find so many like-minded people i my advice to you would be to go on facebook even if you don't like facebook uh do it for this find the choose fi group that's in your area i know there's ones in every major city and try to connect with uh with people like that, maybe go to. We have these, there's these things called Camp FIs that move around the country. I think there was one in Florida just now. They've got one on the East Coast, one in Texas. There's one here in Colorado happening in July that Doug may or may not go with me. Uh, you might not want to be in the same room in case I fart at night. My kids actually complain about me <laughs> farting at night. Okay. Uh,
0: I think, I think it sounds like, uh, We'll have a good roommate situation. Yeah. Any, anything goes.
1: But uh, there's so many ways to connect with people in the community. And um, I'm a natural introvert talking to new people scares the shit out of me. But I find kind of what you alluded to at the happy hour was when you go to these things, you already have, there's already been a big filter applied to the people who are going to come to these. So the amazing thing is when I go, I find myself, I'm almost instantly at ease with other humans, which would not be the case for me and other social situations. So go out there and find your community and try to build it. Even if you don't have a job, work on it before you quit. Yeah. Let's talk about the the next part. This was a, something I don't know he saw coming because he, had, so LAF said he had talked to his spouse about these plans, but she became unhappy with fire. I'm looking at my notes here. So I have here, she enjoyed the progress and sense of accomplishment that work gave her. And his advice was to go back to work. And I don't think she ever went back, not when they were together. But this seemed to end up spiraling spiraling a bit out of control. Their values moved apart. They were happy at first. And then she became more and more unhappy. He advised her to go to counseling. And he did the same. But she didn't want to go to that. And eventually she ended up um, cheating on him. And after that, he was done. He said, This is irreconcilable. I, I can't be with you anymore. And they left it. This brings up a kind of important point that fire might not make your life better. It might make your life worse. Like I I think if he wouldn't, if they wouldn't have retired, they might have still been married. And there's something to that, because I think fire will show you who you really are. If you wanna if you wanna see the purest form of your personality, remove external circumstances like a job, and you'll see pretty quick who your who your spouse is and who you are too. In the end, though, I think it was a positive. It might have revealed some problems that would have come up later on in life, and maybe they would have been in a worse situation. They would have had a kid. So I think in the long term, it was probably good for him. But in the short term, not so much. You went through a bunch of stuff. Did that surprise you? It-
0: not, not 100% because there's a lot of hours in the day, and there's a lot of days in the year. And if you don't have some structure – some things to do. And it sounded like they traveled quite a bit, which is fantastic. I mean, I think that's maybe one of the best things you could do with your time to see new places that you're interested in and can look forward to going on those trips and stuff. But I think if you don't have a handle on what you're going to do and you don't set up little challenges, like we talked about, if, if you're not setting up things for yourself to do I could definitely see, you know, turning to substances to, you know, fill your time and, you know, drink all day, just hang out and just smoke pot or whatever, right? Like you could definitely end up in a spot where you're just not going to feel positive, like sitting around. Yeah. So I, I can see that. And, and actually, you know, I've mentioned a couple of times, my wife still works and I do do my stuff. Mine is a little more casual. She has a W2, you know, traditional sort of job. And I, I do worry, uh, because she doesn't have a specific hobby or thing that she would want to pursue. And I know that's important as L, what what are we calling him? <laughs> Um, <laughs> Alf, Alf, L A F. So as I'll just say, he as he mentioned here, um, his wife maybe needed a sense of accomplishment or something that you're like working towards. So if you're not working towards something, I could definitely see you waking up each day and you're like, ah, "What the fuck am I going to do today?" Yeah. So yeah, one
1: of the great quotes. So I wrote this one down. It said, "Her updated," and he put "updated" in parentheses. Her updated definition of life and my own definition of best, or I'm sorry, her definition of best life and my own definition of best life were irreconcilable. So it's kind of like they evolved away from each other. And if you think about it, the way most relationships work is uh, Mindy and I got got together, but we both had full-time jobs. So the most of our waking hours, we don't see each other because we're commuting, we're working at our job. Then we come home and we maybe have a couple hours with each other or whatever. And then you have kids and you have even less time and then you're talking about fire where both of you quit. All of a sudden, you're going to be around each other for every waking hour. You better have talked through that shit and have planned out the shit because I thought about this a lot. I would go crazy if I had to be around another human being for all my waking hours. And I, I think Mindy would too. I don't know anyone who would want to be around me for any significant amount of time. So, But we have our own lives too. I go for walks, listen to podcasts, write on the blog, and when she leaves... Her work, she'll have her own stuff to do, but you better think through that type of thing. And, and despite that, I think it still might not be, you still might not be successful. I think there's marriages that fail and that they're no one's fault. You just evolved away from each other. You've realized your values are different, and fire might be how you realize that, unfortunately, for, for better or worse. I think it'll be for better in the long run because uh, you, you want to be with a person who appreciates you. and where your values have the strongest overlap. So it's not necessarily a bad thing Mm -hmm. long-term.
0: And before we move on, just a quick note, I, I feel lucky as far as the way I've started my business and I'm doing my, my thing, my side hustle sort of stuff. It happened very gradually. I didn't really look to start a business or anything like that. I just accidentally, stumbled upon earning money online, thought it was kind of fun. And then when I got laid off, I just went in, you know, full, full time. So along the way, I had to very gradually learn new things, create new challenges, and it was all in the, you know, business realm. So I was learning new things and kind of like what we were talking about with having a meeting, having challenges ahead of you, it, it all fit together really well. So now I kind of understand the pieces that I enjoy, things that I don't enjoy, and how to set up challenges so it doesn't drive me crazy and actually be like a negative thing that I would spend my time on.
1: Yeah, there's a ton of value to something else you said there, too. So me, I, I planned all this and then I quit, so my life drastically changed. But you kind of you cultivated a different life along. The, the whole time. So when you left your job or when your job told you they did were, was no longer need of your services. You already had something to go to. It wasn't this big change in your life. It was kind of just a continuation, maybe a little tweak. Okay. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to continue on with these other things I was doing. And there's a lot of value to that, much less shock to the system.
0: Yeah, And I think, well, I think my way is the best way because I identify with it. That's what I did. And it's worked out for me, but as an external source, like would you advise people to sort of not necessarily do the side hustle and do what I did, but like to gradually ease their way into uh, either retirement or not working or or however they're going to frame it, but like gradually move their way into it versus the, you know, jump in the deep end of the pool.
1: Yeah, I've I've got a couple of thoughts on that. So if someone told me I was pursuing fire, I'm going to quit my job and just do it like I did. I would tell them not to do that. I would tell them to do one of two things, either try to take a sabbatical. So leave your job there if you need to go back to it and just give the thing a test drive to see how it works out for you. Because it might not. You might find you need that meaning in your life and you haven't cultivated and you haven't figured out other stuff to do when you're not at work. The other thing I would say is, and I did this at the very end, I wish I would have done it sooner, is try to negotiate part-time. I never thought my work would give it to me. I'm like, shit, I, I, but I'll ask anyway. And they're like, oh, sure. So you might be surprised what your work will do for you if you're a good employee. And that gives you a chance to live fire life a little bit. So in my case, I worked Tuesday through Thursday. I had, So I had Friday through Monday off. And when I did that, I'm like, holy shit, I still can't fit everything I I need to do and like I need to quit. So it gave me a good springboard. It gave me more certainty and it gave me a chance to try the fire life. So I would, but before making this drastic change, unless you're really confident in what you are doing, I would try to find some way to take it for a test drive.
0: Yeah. I like that three-day work week. I mean, that's hard to argue with.
1: Yeah, it was really nice. And uh, I'm glad I did it. God, I wish I would have done that sooner though, because it was fantastic. The issue with that is a lot of companies won't give you health insurance unless you have like th- I think there's some...
0: It's like 32 hours yeah, or something. Yeah, it's
1: 32 hours, so you might have to negotiate something a little bit more exotic. I've always thought firemen have a good schedule, like three 12-hour days, and then they're off. But uh, yeah. I realize a lot of employers might not be willing to put up with that shit. But if you're in my case and have... I actually have spouse or Wi-Fi <laughs> provides the insurance, I was able to do that.
0: Yeah, and that's what I got going
1: on, too. All right, yeah, so uh, another big point, uh, LAF po- LAF's post, that doesn't flow, Elf, that, that reminds me of that stupid show that was on when we were kids. Or at least when I was a kid, I, I realized I'm older than you,
0: Doug. I remember that show. Yeah, the little stuffed animal guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: my God. I, I never liked the show, but for some reason I watched the ending. It was about this goofy alien who came and It was a sitcom, so the alien would be telling jokes and like eating cats, which was funny on the show, or trying to eat cats. But for some reason, I watched the last episode, and in that, the government comes and takes them away to the to the secret laboratory. I, I always found that amusing, this comedy, and then they ended on this deeply dark note. But
0: the, oh, I thought that was a documentary, man. <laughs> oh, that's a I'll have to rewatch it. That's a different context. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I wouldn't waste your time, dog. But <laughs> Okay, Alf note aside, L A F not to be confused with Alf got sick. He's got, he was diagnosed with a, with a connective tissue disease and
0: I did not write it down. Do you remember what the name of it was? No, I'm, I meant to, but I saw the picture of his hand. Yeah. It's like a cartilage um issue, right? Like yes. A, okay. And he, you know, it's a graphic picture. He basically has his fingers like bent back to yeah. his wrist. I mean, it's, insane looking
1: yeah and and the problem with this and fire is he said he has to have two mris a year so his costs he had planned for a pretty lean fi existence and now he's got this very expensive disease that he has to deal with for the rest of his life this isn't going away and i actually know someone else who has this this can get gradually worse so he has to plan for a big medical expense and this popped up on him after he quit Um, do you ever worry about stuff like this
0: or I'm pretty uh, happy go lucky. So most of the time things do work out okay. However, my uh, my wife unfortunately does think about that often like hey, what if, you know, a catastrophic health issue pops up, which could could always happen, right? It can it can happen to anyone. So I I don't think about it too much, but Elizabeth worries enough for the both of us. <laughs> <laughs>
1: The, the way I think about it, Doug, is if you get something truly catastrophic, like some terrible form of cancer, you're going to die, and that's going to be it. There's a small chance you might get some narrow band thing like what happened to it, this, or I have a family member with multiple sclerosis, which is another thing you don't want to be diagnosed with because it's expensive. It's ongoing for the rest of your life, and it can get progressively worse. So, yeah, I don't worry about it either. Like, if I get something bad, I was going to say, fuck the chemotherapy. I'll just live my... Last five months, happily, if something like this happens, we'll figure it out, but chances are it probably won't. But in the meantime, fire allows me to be healthier than I've ever been, so hopefully fire life can help me stave some of this shit off. But mm-hmm. it's a realistic it's a potential problem, and it happened to LAF and he ended up going back to work.
0: Yep. And yeah, I mean you you can't you can't necessarily plan in an uh, efficient way for the catastrophic stuff, but it could happen. And I think as we've mentioned, it does like Fi gives you flexibility to do different things. And one of those flexible things is go back to work, get health insurance again. Yeah. Like that's the thing you can do.
1: Exactly. Be fucking flexible. How hard is that? BFF yeah. does that? Yeah. It's not best friend forever. Be fucking flexible. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought the last one, which might be the most meaningful one, was his self-doubt and purpose. So he came down with all this, and now he's going back to work. So he writes on the blog, I've been telling people this whole time to quit their job and blah, blah, blah. And now here I am going back to work. How do I reconcile the two? And I think I wrote down some quotes. Um, am I giving folks terrible advice, telling people to just say fuck it and quit because their financial numbers work based on their current situation? And then he went on to say, without my former partner, I became depressed and anxious and again, struggled with one of the great questions that terrorizes us all, purpose. I realized I needed more out of life. It's pretty uh, interesting. I think he could have, you might have alluded to this. It looked like he tried to do some stuff with his creative writing. And I think, does he draw those cartoons on his blog? I think that's his own artwork. If it does, he's pretty freaking good at it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, again, I had the urge to like give some advice here and there, but I know he did mention he tried to get into writing more seriously. It sounded like maybe fiction and just to exercise that creative muscle and it it wasn't panning out for him. It sounded like he, he tried to take some courses and couldn't find his community again, back to having people that are understanding that do understand what you're trying to do and what makes you tick, and basically have friends, and it just wasn't really panning out for him. But he was looking for purpose in life, and the the one thing I said I want to try to give advice here, and I'm I try not to, but I I wonder about the job. Like, is the job now the purpose in his life? Like, what what is the the job? So. I understand he has other external things that he know now has to deal with. He needs health insurance to help pay for an expensive disease. His financial numbers have shifted. Things are a little more expensive. I understand all of that. But to say, you know, getting a job for health insurance, I don't really call that a purpose in life, right? Do you have any thoughts on that? Am I too harsh on on that point?
1: Yeah, I think he even alluded to it a little bit like the job gave him gave him back some satisfaction and meaning in life. I, I still think uh, I'm curious to see the follow-up, like what he writes in six years. And if I had to guess, I'll bet he's married. I'll bet he has a child and I'll bet he's that they're doing other things. Like I know he valued travel a lot, just like you. So I'll bet he's back to that life and done with his job. But yeah, it'll be curious. Uh, I don't think I know enough to comment on, on the situation, but I, I think going back to work, solved some of his emotional issues too. Mm -hmm.
0: And and to be fair, my career (laughs) sucked in in some ways. Just there, there were definitely projects and people that I worked with where I was like, this is just a bad environment. I don't enjoy the people. They're generally negative. So I think if you worked with cool people, like that's great. Yeah. Like maybe the actual job doesn't have to be the purpose, but like going and working on something is not a bad thing it, with people that you enjoy being around.
1: Yeah, that's a great point, Doug. Back to what I was saying, owning that fancy car wasn't the good part. It was the people around it. And I think about my last job, the work kind of sucked, but I worked with like fun, great people. And that's that was probably where I derived satisfaction from the job. So again, it goes back to community just in a roundabout way.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. And I think when I think back to a couple of the projects and jobs that I did enjoy, it was good people. And then it's a matter of like finding that right environment. Um, So, okay. That's fair. So he, he got some purpose out of it. And I think that's a, a good thing. I can't, fault for that.
1: Yeah. I think one thing I want to read out something else he said, he said the discomfort did exactly what it was supposed to do. It prompted me to make some major changes that moved me in the right direction. So he found, he found a new partner, the most important cog in the machinery of my personal happiness turned out to be a simple one, having a wonderful partner. I've meaning in my life daily meaning, meaning that is easy to define and pays off constantly. And it has nothing to do with employment and money. So I thought it was interesting that he lost a lot of his happiness when he lost his relationship. And I guess that, that goes back to another form of community, just this person that's around. Even if you're not interacting with them, just knowing that you have this other person in your life, there's a lot of value and probably emotional stability and happiness that goes that goes with that. And it seemed like that might have been the most, despite what his wife did to him with the with the adultery, he was... More unhappy, not necessarily without her, but just not being in a re- relationship made him unhappy. And I wonder where I would be. I think I would probably arrive at a similar location. I'm a better person when I have uh, when I'm with someone to to balance me and to just talk to and cook with and do all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, with.
0: I think I think I'm in, in the same boat. I know, you know, kind of the the point of this happiness discussion is a lot of it is internal and almost a decision to be happy if you have your basic needs met. So I think I would be okay in that sense, but yes, having a partner in crime, a companion to do, you know, the things that we've been talking about that we do enjoy super important. Yeah. So I could imagine I would get depressed, very sad and, and really try to, you know, Fill that need in my life, right?
1: Yeah, and maybe this is a thinking about it now. Maybe this isn't a great question because if (laughs) your partner doesn't make you happy, like why the hell are you with them? You should, uh,
0: yeah, you should
1: should make a change in your life. Is this is this a trick?
0: She told you to ask this
1: question. (laughs) It is a trick question. She is actually uh, listening right there. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's any big, broad takeaways we should mention.
0: So I have a couple, a couple sort of. Random thoughts, maybe that I didn't mention before one in this blog post, he did write that, uh, like the first year was sort of like decompressing from like having that working life. And now you have all this freedom. And then there was a lot of travel for a couple of years. It sounded like they had a great time for yeah. like maybe two, three years or so. But I suspect if you're rolling out of a career or a job, it does take a little while for your mindset to shift a little bit. I know when I got laid off, I think it took maybe six weeks before I stopped stressing about the previous work stuff that I had stressed about for years. It makes sense. I kind of made it a habit and it took a little while to stop thinking about it. So now I don't even remember what it felt like other than it was sort of negative. (laughs) So I think that's, yeah very interesting so i think you know to our points earlier like it's really good if you potentially can do sort of a gradual decompression into a a fi, fire type life so you can understand what you're going to deal with some of the challenges on a gradual basis not all of a sudden everyone's home all day long and you have to you know figure out what you're going to do
1: i guess i'm going to skip right to the last one happiness is A mix of thinking about now and 10 or 20 years from now, pleasure is the moment, satisfaction through the week in some sense that you have, have a lot to look forward to as the world continues to turn. I think there's a lot of value to that, but I think the other lesson to be learned from this, uh, I guess the superficial, easy thing to say is to be flexible and roll with life, which is important. But I think on a deeper level, maybe try to be thoughtful and engage in self-assessment and introspection. Maybe, some of the problems he had would have been avoidable or maybe i up speaking more about his, his ex-wife, I guess if she would have, if she would have realized where she was going in, in her, in, in her unhappiness, maybe she could have course corrected it. They could have been at a better place. Maybe they still would have separated, but maybe they would have done it on better terms without her cheating on him. And that's hard to say. It's hard to do this because, a lot of times we don't realize we're in a bad place until we're knee-deep in this shit. It's hard to realize when, we're, when we start to go off course. But when you're retired, you have a lot of time to sit there and think about this kind of stuff. So I think we all need to be more thoughtful and realize. It's very important to realize when your life might be taking a, a turn for a, a bad direction before it really gets bad and it manifests itself and fights with your partner or Abuse of some kind of substance or or any other negative thing
0: mm-hmm. yeah, and I mean when i when I think about the bigger context, right the the plan right e- even if you continue working and you don't retire early, the plan is to work for some number of years and then stop working. You don't have to stop working, but that's sort of the general idea that we're we're given here in the Western world and at some point, it's like, hey, it's it's a little bit better to have that free time and the flexibility when we're young and a little more able-bodied to like do the stuff we want to do versus perhaps our health has declined a little bit by the time we're 65 and we can't travel quite as much or do the things that we want to do. So, I mean, you're going to have to probably, unless you die, you're probably going to have to figure out what to do with a lot of free time. So, you may as well do it when you're a little more able-bodied absolutely Why put it off and, and work yeah sure some people may have a job they like and it's fantastic right do that like that's the job you should have if you if you enjoy it but if you're in a position like I was where I wasn't really enjoying it it's like well, what's the point to do this for another 40 years that's stupid like why would I sign up for that so
1: yeah um I'm trying to think of what else we should say about Ali F's post. I, I, I think the one thing that's interesting is, I'm sure, I haven't read through his comments, but he had over 300 of them. And I'm sure he's going to get some shit for, for going back to work, but going back to work doesn't have to be a, a negative thing. Uh, his circumstances changed, so he changed to accommodate him, and there's not that much more to it. And like I said, I don't think... Uh, I'm not sure how his life will work out, but if I had to guess, I, I, I think this will be a temporary thing. I think he'll get married, have a kid, and he'll pivot back to not working because it seemed like he was in a really good place when he wasn't working.
0: And there's a good punchline at the end, um, and I'm I'm not sure if it's in the notes here, but do you recall his financial situation a little bit?
1: Yeah, he. Awesome. I think he was trying to live on like $36,000 a year. I think he retired on 900000 So yeah, my math is right. Four times nine thirty six thousand. So I'm pretty sure that was it. And his spending went up to, I think, I thought it was about 50000 With He said living alone was more expensive than living with his wife because now she had her own nest egg. So she was paying for half his expenses. So that was some of it. And the other part was his health issue.
0: Yeah. So- Really cool thing is he stopped working for five years and his net worth or whatever measurement he was using is up by 20%. Yes. So he stopped, he just took a little mini retirement. So idea from four hour work week, it's a mini retirement. So he, he could have labeled it something different, right? Like he could have said, hey, I'm not retiring. I'm just taking a break for a little while. Took five years off, net worth still went up by 20% which is amazing, right? Like we wouldn't have guessed that, but once you save a chunk of money, compound interest is a very good friend.
1: Yeah. It's awesome. Again, the 4% rule is a worst case scenario. So in his case, he could have lived by the who knows what rule, the seven or 8% rule and ended up with an equivalent amount of money to what he had when he retired.
0: Yeah. And just imagine that, right? So if you maybe do take a sabbatical style. You could just say, Hey, I'm going to take a break for a couple years. I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe I'll get interested in something else. And for example, I'm not sure what I'll be doing in five or 10 years. Maybe we'll be still sitting down here. Maybe the basement will be finished up, but I found it interesting to sort of shift my career from. Uh, sort of software and project management into now marketing. And now I'm sort of shifting a little bit after roughly eight years into more like uh, podcasting and, and YouTubing more than the affiliate marketing and some of the other stuff I was doing before. So I'm building off the skills as I go, I'm learning more things, but I'm kind of, Starting from ground zero over and over again, which is kind of cool because I have a lot more to learn just in general, and it's challenging. And again, I don't know if I'm going to shift into some other thing in in ten years or so, but I'll still be you know relatively young, fifty one, and I'm not sure if I had a finish to that sentence, but now I'm done.
1: No, I think that's a great point. There's a lot of value in life. And like we talked about before, there's no destination. It should be the journey. And the journey is continual challenges, which is what you're doing. And I like what you said, how you don't know what what you'll be doing. Maybe we'll be sitting down here in a finished basement, which I have uh, offered to help you with. But uh, maybe you'll be living in Thailand and uh, I have no idea what I'll be doing. (laughs) But hopefully we're both having fun and doing what we want to be doing, which is what it's all about.
0: All right. Any grand other summaries here or did we already hit that?
1: Yeah. I think we're set with a living a five post. Uh, thank you. Living a whatever your name is in real life. If you have any good fart jokes, we would love to have you on the show sometime.
0: And yeah. And yeah, I, I, it sounds like he's totally anonymous, right? Yeah. Yep. Wow. That's crazy. And, uh, if you do happen to watch this, um, we hardly know what we're talking about. So anything that may have sound judgy, like I don't think we meant it in that spirit. This is a couple uh, backseat drivers just commenting on a wonderful post, and I haven't read much of uh, his work, but it looked uh, very authentic and pure. Like like you said, one of the purest bloggers you could find. There's no there's no bullshit on there. There's no there's no uh, sort of biases because of ads or he's not in anyone's back pocket or anything like that. So very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate the post.
1: Yeah. Anything considering fire? anyone considering fire should go read that post. Okay. Let's wrap it up here, Doug. Let's do it. Yeah. So yeah, let's talk about fire and happiness and maybe what advice or what thoughts we would tell other people. I, I think my main one, and I hope this has come across on the episode is, Let me back up a second. One thing that drives me nuts, I I told you this before, Doug, is what I'll meet someone younger than me who's like, yeah, I can't wait to fire. I'm saving all this money and da-da-da. And I've had people say this to me multiple days and it's my fault because of my blog name, 1500. uh, That was the amount of days I thought it would take to retire. So other people have taken that and been like, yeah, I only have like 868 days and then according to my calculations I'll be done. So... That is the wrong way to do it and that's the wrong way to live life. You need to find things to appreciate, be positive with every day of your life, no matter how shitty your boss is. Fire should not be a destination and you shouldn't put on this huge, you should not put it on this huge pedestal. It should be one small part of your life that's going to enhance the rest of it, but it is not a destination. It is just part of your life that will hopefully make your life better in the long run but you shouldn't wish your days away to achieve this one semi-silly goal.
0: And I will pepper on a little bit. That's a excellent point, very well said. We haven't brought up this area yet, but you know, money is not necessarily gonna make you happy. We may think in sort of traditionally, like buying more stuff is gonna make you happy, the materialistic ideas. And occasionally you bump into that. I was showing everybody I a new guitar over the weekend and you know what, I'm really happy about it and it's going to bring me happiness, like moving forward for many years. So I'm happy about that. Uh, generally though, like buying more stuff doesn't make me happy. It has to be a very specific sort of thing. All that to say money is a fantastic tool. If you're able to buy back your time in some capacity And this may be a more advanced topic, and I'm probably speaking a little out of turn because I don't have as much experience. But I, I think if you can maybe relax a little bit and spend a a little more money and not be as frugal, for me at least personally, it frees up a lot of brain power. So I'm not stressing out or thinking so much. Should I buy this thing or that thing? And maybe you mentioned something to me recently. About that, Carl, where you're in a spot where you have more money than you thought you were going to when you first retired. So you don't necessarily have to choose between something that's like 10% more expensive. You'll just get the more expensive thing. You're not going to spend the brain power on making those decisions. So you could buy back some decision making power by spending a little bit more money, which equates to time, right? So if you're not wasting the brain power, you're not stressing out, you're not wasting time making decisions that really maybe don't matter that much. Uh, Further, you could figure out ways to buy back time. Maybe you don't enjoy working on your car and you would gladly pay the shop to do your brake job and change your oil and a couple other things. Or if you do enjoy it, change it, right? Do what works for you. But if you could find ways to buy back time, then you could spend that time doing things that are valuable to you maybe spend time with people maybe spend time on a hobby that you neglected for a little while but to the end of figuring out what your values are i think that's super important so if you know what's valuable then you can buy back time using that money maybe you maybe you work a little bit longer so that you have that luxury and then you could spend time on the things that are valuable to you that are your priority.
1: Yeah. that That's an awesome statement. And so, but sometimes it's hard to appreciate the whole time thing. You're buying back your time. It's hard to appreciate it when you're young. So the way I would tell people to really appreciate it is to extrapolate a little bit. And uh, I'll never forget this. We go to the Berkshire Hathaway conference every year and – This young guy at the Berkshire Hathaway conference, this is Warren Buffett's holding company. So you can actually ask Warren Buffett a question. And this one young guy gets up. He's like, you know, Warren, I'm 26. Like what books? I want you to give me the 10 best books or something like that, that you think I should read. And so Warren Buffett gets up. He's like, I'm not going to tell you that, but I'll give you another piece of advice. He's like, I'm an, he was like 87 at the time. I'm an 87 year old man. I, I would trade every Billion I have now, every cent I have now, to be your age and to, and to be completely broke. So it's hard to appreciate time, especially if you're 20 and listening and listening to this podcast. But it goes by fast. Uh, sooner or later, you'll be old. Uh, advanced age like uh, Doug or me, even worse. And uh, you may or may not have hair. But uh, I hope you appreciate your time, to Hold.
0: That's uh, a great quote and i've heard uh sort of an opposite question too so if you could trade places with warren buffett have all the money but you had to be what is he now 92 or whatever like would you do it
1: oh hell no i wouldn't no let's extrapolate that question would you trade all your money for someone 15 years older than you so you're you're 40 right 41 so would you trade all your money to be 55 like i'll say i would not like no way i would even consider it for a second
0: Right. But then would you trade it to go back, you know, 15, trade all your money to go back 15 years? Like, yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. Especially if you could go back with the same knowledge. Oh my God. It'd be just crazy. But even without it.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Time yeah so everything. time is the most valuable thing. So if you could figure out how to buy a little back here and there it's a great thing. And it's, it's tough to do because, you know, we, we did have, I'm going off on a big tangent. This will be like an eight hour episode if I don't watch it, but those decisions and decisions that we made so that we were able to save money. Like you can, re- at some point you can relax depending on, you know, what what you've done and the crazy decisions that you might make. But at some point it's, okay to maybe spend a little more money this could be hugely unpopular people are gonna uh, correct me And we encourage it yeah leave leave comments out there but um yeah i guess the the overall point is if you can buy back a little time sometimes it's going to be worth it even if you're spending a little more money yeah
1: and if you think you need stuff you're probably need to reconsider your community i mentioned my boss who told me she told me in the nicest way that if i ever wanted to get married i had to have a bmw And I didn't say anything because she was my boss and otherwise a nice person. But I've thought about that a lot since. And and actually, she's divorced and I kept on driving my piece of shit that I had at the time. But if you do that, the the objects you surround yourself become a filter. If I would have had a nice car, maybe I would have attracted the wrong person who would have thought I had money and appreciated that fact. So by driving a piece of shit they had to like me for my personality. And that's, that's a pretty big ask. So if I do, I could find someone who uh, even back then I made pretty good money as a programmer, but I, I, I drove the same crappy car, but that became a filter. Cause I didn't let on the money. So I found someone who liked me for who I wasn't. And, and then that, when she found out that I had money, it just became a nice surprise for her, I guess. <laughs> that's great. All right.
0: Any, anything else on, uh, yeah, happiness.
1: Yeah, just a couple other quick pieces of advice to people pursuing fire and happiness: cultivate a, a rich life beforehand. Don't expect the world to come to you just because you quit. The world isn't gonna tell you your next step. You need to figure that out, and the best time to do it is while you have a job. Don't put that stuff off. Start start living right now. Uh, we all need to be flexible and and, and think about our situation uh, before and after fire. You never know. The shitstorm probably isn't going to happen, but we have to consider what we would do if it did happen. You you don't buy insurance in the middle of a flood. No one's going to give it to you. You buy it when the sky is sunny. And that's the same way you need to think about this. You need to think about what's going to happen if my marriage goes, so, goes shit or I have a health problem, both of which happened to LAF. Sorry, LAF. I'm sure that was a hard time, but it seems like you're in a great place. But the best time to think about the worst time is when you're in the best time. So plan accordingly. Yeah. One final thought I had, I was reading right, right before I came over here. Happiness should not be a goal. Your goal should not be to happy because it should not be to be happy because there's a lot of value. It's sadness too, well uh, life is going to suck sometimes and, and that's okay. So I was trying to think of an example and I know we both had, we both had parents that died in the past 12 months. So I was thinking if you told me, you your person, your significant other, or someone had died, there's two ways to spin that. You could either say, well, you could think about all the positive things that happened in the positive spin, or you could say, yeah, yeah, I've been through that too. It's sad, blah, 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 and embrace the saddest part of it too, because there's you build emotional closeness through the bad stuff too. So it's okay to be sad. You shouldn't just try to shove off that, that emotion. All emotions are okay. I didn't say that too. <laughs> Let's see. Let me read through my notes here.
0: No, that, that does make sense. I mean, it, you get the highs and the lows, and if you don't have any contrast, then it's kind of not necessarily meaningless, but it's, it's a weird, it'd be a weird life. I don't think it'd really built for that
1: yeah I actually have in my notes here if you're happiness a hundred percent of the time you're probably on some kind of illicit substance and uh give us some <laughs> yeah or it's <laughs> no, not gonna it's not gonna end well for you it's just not a, a a good way to live you have to embrace all parts of life it's gonna suck sometimes but that doesn't mean we can't work at it and try to View whatever situation we're in in a, in a better light. Don't give the middle finger to the person in traffic. Try to consider their situation and be thankful for what you have. We didn't even talk about gratitude. That's a whole other thing. But be grateful for what we have and be thoughtful for what that other person might not have. Well said. Well said. Yeah, I, I think that's it, Doug. God, we talked a lot about happiness. Are you happy or unhappy? Because we talked about happiness.
0: Did this conversation make you happier? I'm much happier, much happier. Yeah. I feel, well, all, all the, I mean, this, is the reason we're doing the show, all the conversations we have, it makes me think harder. And then I learn things from you. So I'm happier and a little smarter.
1: Yeah. I feel the same way. Like when, when I'm talking to you, I always have new thoughts that I've never had before, which makes me happier. Cause I feel like I've grown a little bit and I'm a little bit better of a person for the last How many hours have we spent? I know I was late. Yeah, almost two hours with you. Yeah, almost exactly two hours because I was about half an hour late. So, yeah, I am happier as a result of this conversation.
0: Awesome. Well, I think because we've recorded so long, we can do maybe a short mini uh, extra segment where we ask each other questions. Okay. Okay. And, um, unless do we need to stop for a, a potty break? Do no, need to pee? You uh,
1: okay? I'm okay. If it's okay. Uh, I do have to go, but I can put it off. I can, uh, that's why my legs are crossed right now. Doug, <laughs> T- TMI. <laughs> Doug, do you have a good question or?
0: Yes. So actually I'm just going to copy yours. So how did you and Mindy meet?
1: Oh yeah. That is an interesting question. I was at a, uh, I went to a party who was, at a house of this other girl I was trying to date and she had zero interest in me, but Mindy was at that party and I met her and we started talking and we kind of hit it off. And then I I was there actually with another friend and I went back and my other friend worked with Mindy. So I'm like, Oh yeah, can you, I think I'd like to talk to her more. Can you give her my phone number? Can I have her phone number? And, and he thought she would be a bad fit for me. He was kind of a weird person, I'm not <laughs> <to laughs> saying, but he gave her the wrong my wrong phone number on purpose so she couldn't get in contact with me. And I'm trying to think of, <laughs> I think I ended up bumping into her a couple months later and that's how we eventually connected and and went out. But yeah, it was a strange situation. So we came this close to... Never happening because of that weird friend who, I don't know what happened to him. I don't talk to him anymore, but it's probably better off after he tried to pull a stunt like that.
0: Wow. Yeah, so a near near miss. And then uh, just quick follow-up, first date, what was it like, like the actual date where you were like, hey.
1: Oh, this is a good one. It's funny you mentioned it because I'll say some of it. I know we're going to have many on, I think, two episodes from now, but... I thought it went great. And the thing with Mindy is sometimes we'll do something and then like two weeks later, she'll be like, yeah, I thought that kind of sucked or whatever. And there was part of our date that she thought kind of sucked, but I'll wait for two episodes to tell that story. And I also brought a coupon, which I had forgotten, but it was a filter for her because she she mentioned it to me just like a, a couple months again too and i'm like wow i brought a coupon that seems kind of weird i'm not sure if i would do that now this is buy one get one free meal coupon i'm like what did you think about that because i could see some people may be being put off by that and she's like oh i thought it was great so there i didn't have a nice car i brought coupons so <laughs> filters in life they're yeah. very important that's pretty funny yeah yeah so, Doug, my question for you is: You just bought a new guitar. What what kind of music do you like playing? And are you ever going to perform on the Mile High Five show? I think you should. I think you should write some intro, like an intro jingle. Huh. You had a blues, some blues music that you were writing up there, correct?
0: I had. Um, well, I, I copied it from a YouTube video. So the the new guitar is a Gibson LG two, and it's out of the. Gibson factory in Bozeman, Montana, and we lived there, so I had like a you know warm feeling about that. And the music that I like to play, or at least that I'm practicing right now, is like finger style blues. I think it's Piedmont blues, so it's like the alternating bass pattern. Okay. And I am not a very good guitar player, I would say. I could play some chords and I've played for, you know, 20 years, but I think I progressed uh, for about two years, like early on. And then I've just been on a plateau since then. I haven't really challenged myself or learned anything really new. So I enjoy sort of like classic rock, but I play acoustic primarily. I had a couple electrics, but it's so loud to play that I never um, really got into it. So I sold those. And right now my focus is the finger style blues, which is like it's almost like a whole new instrument because your fingers are working independently and it is like a kid practicing trumpet or something like that. Like I have to go to the other room. It's so slow. It's repetitive. It is practice. It is a struggle. It's so challenging and it's frustrating, you know, like I'm just trying and you have to go at a snail's pace. It's, it's amazing so rewarding and I can't wait till I get that um, little, you know, short one minute uh, song to play for you. Maybe, maybe on here, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes.
1: No, no, Doug, I am going to put a stake in the ground and say like, (laughs) because this is a challenge for me too, because I play the guitar really shitty much, I'm sure probably much shittier than Doug could ever play. And I'm teaching myself the keyboard now. So you could teach me some Base keyboard part or something. We could have like a 30 a second. To, yeah, let's okay. do it. Does finger picking mean that you don't have any pick at all? Or are you just using your fingers
0: for everything or? I'm using my fingers for everything right now. They do have some finger picks yeah, that sit on your thumb to give a little, and your fingers too. And I, I may use the thumb pick, but um, right now I'm just um, free balling, we'll say.
1: Okay. Did you say free balling? <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Just no, no, no picks. Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> I have a different meaning for that term that you yeah. might be able to see on Urban Dictionary. But that's interesting. I always thought my weakness with the guitar, like my left hand, not my pick hand, was always fine. And I for some reason, I always had a trouble with the pick. So I'm thinking, I'd like to see what you do sometime. And maybe I'll give that another shot because I kind of gave up on my guitar. But maybe you've given me a reason to start again.
0: It's fun. Well, now I have to. That's the old guitar behind us for people watching on, on YouTube just to spice up the scenery here but now we have two guitars so we literally could play together wow. if we um want to put the time in
1: I, I can strum a c chord and A minor E minor what's that that's a key a c right did you yeah like keys and all that kind of
0: shit oh no N- not not really not G-D. really i know the chords but yeah music theory not my strength okay cool so
1: well coming to a future living or god i was gonna say living a fi. that's uh that's not our <laughs> podcast i'm sorry Anonymous student boss and coming to a future Mile high Fi episode uh, musical performance, probably not anytime soon, because I'm the bottleneck, not not Doug.
0: All right. Well, this was a great episode and we'll
1: we'll catch you on the next one. Yeah, thanks, Doug. I really enjoyed our conversation today.
0: Thanks for listening to the show. That was the Mile High Fi podcast, and I'm Doug Cunnington, the Balder host, and Carl Jensen is the cool, sexy one. If you dig the show, please do three things for us. Number one, tell a friend, a family member, an enemy about the show. We really don't care who you tell. Maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like. It's the single most helpful thing that you can do to spread the word. It's like giving us a virtual high five and uh, actually we don't give high fives in, in person, so the virtual kind's pretty good. And more importantly, your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them. Number two, make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you're using, and that way you won't miss a show. And number three, please leave us a rating and review. We read them on the show occasionally and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode. Quick disclaimer, this show is not financial or legal advice. I'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it it's really just for entertainment and that's at least what we're hoping for but seriously get advice from professionals carl and i are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk so we'll catch y'all next week